Hello and welcome to Story Untold. I'm Martin Bauman and today's episode is all about loneliness. Marissa Corda is a graphic designer and the creator of The Loneliness Project. It's an archive of stories from people all around the world sharing their experiences of what it's like to feel lonely. It started out as a couple of Facebook posts in May of 2017, a side project from her day job. She wanted to hear from people and work towards empathy building, something that she felt was lacking. She put herself out there, and then stories started coming in from everywhere. Marissa has been featured on BuzzFeed, CBC, The Walrus, and The Toronto Star. And in sharing all these stories, she started something of a community. Here's her story. Maybe I'll start with the obvious question first of all, and that is, of course, uh, why loneliness? So, yeah, so basically, uh, why loneliness? So basically, I, I can actually tell you how it started. So the project started because I work at a design studio um, in Toronto called Leslie Inc. that mm-hmm. encourages all of its employees to take on a personal passion project. And it can be anything. It doesn't have to be something that benefits the company. It doesn't have to be about graphic design. It can just be kind of something that you're personally passionate about. Um, And so when that came up, for me, my first thought was not actually loneliness or social isolation in any way. It was actually uh, empathy and empathy building. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I feel like I've, it's, you know, empathy and compassion are things that I've been thinking about a lot in the past uh, year and a half, two years, as I feel like I've been seeing kind of news and uh, like a state of affairs in the world that I think does not promote empathy, compassion, kindness. Mm. And I think those are values as a society that we don't really promote as much as we should. And so for me, I think that promoting those things is is a way to make very real change, positive change in the world and in the way that we interact, not only with other people, but also with ourselves, because I think kindness for oneself is also something that is almost harder to achieve than than having it for other people. Hmm. And so kind of thinking through, okay, I know I want to do a project around empathy building. That's like very much easier said than done. How do I kind of channel this? And really like the first thing I hit upon and never really deviated from that was loneliness, because loneliness is something Everybody at some point in their lives has experienced, everybody has context for it. They know what it feels like and how terrible it can be at times. And so I think that, you know, because loneliness is a very common experience, it's a way to kind of connect people in a really effective way through stories and Hmm. stories about people and what it means to be human. Okay, I want to. I'm going to backtrack just a little bit here because there's a lot of things that I think are really cool about this. First of all, that your job will carve out the time for you to do something like yeah. this. I wish every job would give you a personal project time. <laughs> I think that's fantastic. It's awesome. I mean, that's like a story on its own because that is just like a, it's a pretty cool workplace in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's awesome. no kidding. Also, the the idea for you of, of empathy building. It's funny because that is. You, I pretty much could have taken those same words and applied them to what I've what ultimately launched me to do this podcast it was again similar circumstances where without having to name names of the kinds of people that end up being in the news a lot of the time, uh, but you, you hear those same stories again and again. And so I was working in in radio news and, and working as a broadcast journalist, and it was my day's work to go in and and cover these stories day after day and and thinking to myself, there's got to be better stories out there that that I can tell. And I know there are stories out there that I can tell. 
of, of interesting people doing incredible things and, and of just thinking of the world in a bit of a different lens, in a maybe a healthier lens. So I think that's really interesting to me. The loneliness angle for you, uh, why you ultimately chose loneliness, you know, mentioning that everybody goes through it. What is it to you? What what does that word mean, loneliness to you? That's a really funny question, actually, just on a personal note, because I, I don't know if you've seen the uh, intake form that I have for when people submit stories, like I ask four questions. And one yes. of the questions is, to me, loneliness means dot, dot, dot. And it's actually funny because I have not filled out the survey <laughs> that I ask other people to fill out because I'm honestly not sure what I would put. It's a very like it's a very challenging set of four questions. And I mean, for me, too, I also don't really want to like the site isn't about me. It's really about me being kind of a vessel for other people's stories. So I'm, right. I'm not like I made the decision early on that I didn't want to put anything up there that's personal to myself. But yeah, it's funny that you asked me that question because I'm like, hmm, I've like thought about the survey a lot, like how I would answer it myself. But I mean, to me, it's a really personal question. It's like just a tangent because it's funny that I notice that whatever people put in that, to me, loneliness means box, if they filled out the last question, which is tell me the story of the time you were the, mo- you were the most lonely, like nine out of 10 times, it relates to that story. Right. Um, in like, a re- like you can draw a line, but I'm not sure if people who fill out the survey notice those connections. So it's kind of like an interesting thing. Um, but I think to me, loneliness is universal. Like it, it just, it, it's like, I mean, I feel like the reason I'm having a hard time almost answering that question is because I'm coming at it not necessarily from a personal perspective anymore. I've read over a thousand stories yeah. from different people. And so I'm trying to think of an answer that represents all of those people's stories. And because they're so diverse, I can't. But at the same time, like they are very, very, very similar, all of those stories. And I think for me, I guess, thinking about that loneliness is like a craving for other people. Do you see yourself in those stories when you're reading them? I mean, granted, over a thousand of them, you're not always going to relate to each of them. But uh, but do, do you often find yourself kind of nodding your head in agreement at, at things that you see? Funny enough, not really. Like, I mean, it's funny because for a person who's doing a project about loneliness, like I don't I would not describe myself as a terribly lonely person. I'm actually like extremely extroverted and I am like out in the world connecting with people a lot. And I think maybe... maybe that makes sense. Like a person who is so like, I'm really interested in people. I think they're really interesting. I love people. And like, that's one of the reasons why I want to tell their stories. So maybe that's kind of like, I don't know, maybe maybe it makes sense that I I wouldn't be like a terribly lonely person all the time. I'm not sure. But there are certain stories I see myself in. Like, I'm not sure if I, I, you know, there's a lot of them in there. They are again, like I said, pretty diverse. But the ones that I really see myself in uh, are stories from people who are going to university for the first time. Mm. I like really identify with those stories because I had a very hard time transitioning from high school into university. And that was probably if I had to fill out like the story of tell me the time you were the most lonely, like probably my first year of university. It was one of the most challenging uh, times for me. And the funny thing is also just that like, I thought I was the only one who was having a hard time. Right. And so I think if I had been able to read stories, like it's almost like healing in retrospect. Like I read all these stories from other people who are having a hard time in their first year of university. And I'm like, oh, like I guess it wasn't just me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
new city, new faces, or what was the story? Where did you come from, and and where yeah. did you go? Yeah, so I came from uh, Toronto. I grew up mm-hmm. in Toronto, and I went for my first year in university uh, to McMaster. And like McMaster's a great school. It just wasn't for me. I was like, I think just like incredibly unprepared to make any decisions about my life at the age of 17 and like really didn't know what I wanted to do. And I like literally just remember picking university. I made a spreadsheet of like all the courses that I wanted to take. And then I like put all the schools that were in Ontario on the spreadsheet and checked off the schools that would allow me to take all of those classes in combination that I wanted to take because I, and I couldn't decide what I wanted to take. There was like visual arts and also like French and also theater and like all of this stuff. And McMaster just kind of was the winner, which is a terrible reason to pick a school in my opinion. Like, and I was kind of like, well, I guess I'll just go there. Um, and yeah, I just think I was like super unprepared to choose. And I, had a hard time, I think, making friends. It was a bit of culture shock for me going from a city and like interacting, you know, like having grown up my whole life in a city and having all my friends mm-hmm. in the city and being like pretty, you know, like like I had been a part of drama in my high school and I was part of extracurriculars to go to like a totally new environment where like I had really different interests from a lot of people who I was meeting and I wasn't entirely sure like quite honestly like I didn't really know how to make friends with a group of people that was like just very like we had completely different reference points a lot of people were from smaller towns and I was from a big city and I think at that point I just like was so shocked from change and it also did not help that I got swine flu at the very beginning of school and then by the time I came back everybody had made friends and I was like ah it's so much harder so I think there was just like a lot of social anxiety there in like a new situation and part of it also was that, you know, and in university in your first year, if you're doing humanities, you're often just in lectures with like a thousand people. Right. Um, and it's not very conducive to like making friends. And I think that's really hard for a lot of students. And I see that in a lot of the stories that come through that people just talk about, like, it's really hard if you didn't get a residence where you click with people, which just wasn't the case for me. I was in an enormous residence uh-huh. um, where there were 50 people on my floor. It was humongous. And so if you have a hard time doing that, it's also really hard to make friends in classes. Um, and I actually ended up transferring to, I realized halfway through the year that I like just really wanted to do graphic design. Somehow I just like figured it out because I had taken this class and I was in Photoshop and I was doing the homework till like five in the morning and I was so excited about it. Um, yeah. And then I ended up switching schools and, and had a much better time, but it was pretty isolating. Yeah. It's, it's tough, right? 17 years old. It's a, it's an early time to be in that experience, making those decisions about what you want to do with your life. I think you're the only person I've heard of that's applied to schools in that way of of creating a spreadsheet and, and picking courses. It was nonsense. (laughs) (laughs) I had like very little guidance from my high school too, in terms Uh of like how you should pick a school. And they, I think just really didn't know what to do with you if you're artistic like I I think that's also like that's a whole separate tangent but like schools just don't really tell kids that's an option to study artistic things and then also go and make a living like you can totally do that and they're they were just kind of like what you don't want to do science or business or math or something practical like I don't know we're confused (laughs) (laughs) so would you say is that is that sort of that first year experience is that the core of of what you identify with in if there is a sort of a map of your life and, and loneliness has to be plotted on there, that's that's kind of where you would put it in, at least in one case where you really resonate with that? Yeah, I'd say so. Those are like some stories that I really identify with. And then, but I think there's also like, 
I mean, that's a very specific experience, but then there's also the stories that are like more universal that I think everybody can resonate with, you know, people who feel left out, like Mm. there's times in everybody's life that they've felt left out or people feeling, you know, yeah, I mean, I think feeling left out is a big thing that I see in a lot of stories. And like, I, of course, identify with that. I think anybody that doesn't like either is lying or is you know, <laughs> has the most charmed life. <laughs> yeah. Um, so some of the stories that center around social media, like I think everybody can identify with that feeling of going on social media and feeling like everybody else has a more perfect life than you, even though we all know social media is a little bit kind of fake. <laughs> mm, hugely. It, yeah. Yeah. You, I mean, but you can know that rationally and still not feel it. Totally. Yeah. I, I remind myself daily how meaningless it is and yet I'm still sucked yeah. into it. Totally. Totally. Uh-huh. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know if there's hope for me. I don't know if there's escape. <laughs> Maybe there's no hope for any of us. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, I've, of course, I looked through the questionnaire that you ask people, or, or at least what people fill out. Uh, and so I'll give you my my case of the time that I felt the most lonely. Uh, yeah. In this case, for me, it was two years ago now. It was summer of 2016. And uh, I was doing a bike ride across Canada. Uh, which is something I bring up far too many times on this podcast. But in this case, I I hope it's a relevant story. Uh, So I was biking from Medicine Hat, Alberta, to Maple Creek, Saskatchewan. And uh, and so uh, off the top of my head, it's about maybe 80, 85 kilometers between those two towns. I could be a bit off. That's a big bike ride. Ballpark about awesome. 15, 20 kilometer difference between between that kind of stretch. But but it's somewhere, you know, multi-hour ride. And... Um, Way back at the start of the ride, I went from Vancouver uh, and was making my way to St. John's, and I had told myself I was going to do this alone. I wanted to do it by myself to kind of test my internal fortitude and strength. I had people that uh, had you know, offered to come along with me. My dad had offered to come along with me for the ride. I didn't want the company. I thought, you know, this is a great chance for me to get off here and do it on my own. And so on this stretch between Medicine Hat and Maple Creek, I just so happened to be going along probably the most lonely stretch of the Trans-Canada Highway. Nothing at all for hmm. kilometers in sight. You are the tallest thing around. There are no buildings. There are no electricity poles. There are no trees. There is just open wow. uh, fields. And the winds happened to be pushing against me that day. 20, 30 kilometer an hour winds. And then the rain came. And then the thunder and lightning came. And I was alone by myself in this middle of a prairie storm. Here I was thinking I was going to be doing this brave and bold thing by pushing through this by myself. And at that moment, the only thing I really wanted was somebody else to be there with me. Not the shelter and not uh, for the rain to stop, but just to have that sense of company. I think that's an experience that a lot of us maybe not quite literally can relate to in that sense. Uh, But but that experience of just wanting company or, or feeling intensely lonely what was the last time that you identify with feeling lonely? Um, quite honestly, probably right now, actually, which is funny um, because I'm so happy to be doing this interview with you, but I'm having a little bit of FOMO at the same time because all of my close friends spontaneously decided to go out together. Oh. And I was like, sorry, <laughs> I'm going to be responsible. I have an obligation. But um, yeah, I definitely felt a little bit a little bit FOMO-y to, to be missing out. Oh, yeah. I'm the worst for that. I'm sorry. Um, 
<laughs> no, this is fun too. That's such a that is such a real experience too, and I think that probably goes hand in hand with the social media and the way that we have become tied to our devices now. You absolutely you can't help but know when somebody has gone out for a night with their friends, they're posting about it on Facebook or Instagram uh, or any other social media uh, platform that you use. It's become quite the phenomenon. How do you how do you see uh, social media and the technology that we use playing into our feelings of loneliness, how it's changed our feelings of loneliness? Well, it's kind of a funny thing because I'm almost part of it in a way. Like my site isn't social media, but it lives, you know, in that like technosphere of the internet. Right. So it's kind of a funny sort of thing to be asked that question and, and still be part of it. But you know, I'm like a social media user. So I have my opinions on it from that perspective, and also from the stories that I read. And I think that social media can be really positive, And I think social media can be really damaging. Um, and it all depends on how it's used. And I think the thing that's hard is that systems like Facebook and Instagram, um, and Twitter, like, they really emphasize quantity over quality of interaction. And I think that's where they're is a lot like I think a lot of loneliness and isolation and jealousy because it's not just about loneliness right like there's a lot I think of comparison that comes out of that especially platforms that are really visual like Instagram Mm. where you look at other people's lives and you look at how you know perfect and insta-worthy and curated they are but nobody's thinking of the word curated they're just thinking wow that person's life looks better than mine you don't it's like you have to consciously remind yourself that everything you see on the internet is very very consciously presented and I think that that's like a very I think that's a very hard thing to do because the first thing that happens is you have that initial gut reaction of like oh my god my life isn't you know as good or I get a lot of stories especially from teenagers um, talking about things like Snapchat, saying that, you know, they saw all their friends were hanging out without them. And I think that it's hard. Like, social media makes you so incredibly aware of everything that's going on all the time. And right. I don't think that's always positive. But that said, like, there are a lot of positive things about social media, too, in the sense that, like, you know, I can harness it to tell people's stories and hopefully make people feel less lonely. I use social media all the time to stay in touch with friends really close friends who have moved far away that, you know, like if social media didn't exist, I, it would be so much harder for us to stay in touch. So in that sense, it kind of makes me feel less lonely when it helps me maintain the quality of my already existing friendships. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when it helps create online communities. But I think the part about it that's really kind of a problem is that like comparison aspect. Yeah. Comparison is the thief of joy, a famous quote and a favorite quote of mine. We talk back again about the loneliness project. So you you have this idea for what you want to do. Uh, how do you start developing the questions in your head, and and then when do you put it out there to start asking people to get involved and and share their stories? Yeah. So I mean, I developed the very first thing really that I did was develop the questions based on really just what I would want to hear from people. If I was interested and if I was, you know, feeling lonely, I was trying to think about, you know, like, okay, when I feel lonely, what would make me feel better to hear from other people? And uh, so they're kind of based around that. But really what I did is I created this Google form. I had like no proof of concept whatsoever. I didn't have a site. I had, 
I think I had a logo and some really rough build drawings of houses that were like by no means as polished as they were now. And I like made a little picture that said coming soon and I posted it on Facebook and I posted it on Instagram <laughs> and on some Toronto Facebook groups. And I was like, hello, I'm either your Facebook friend or a random lady with a Google form. I would love for you to tell me some really personal things about your life. Go. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> and people did, which was the most amazing thing. I was shocked that I got almost 100 stories before the site even existed. Wow. Um, yeah, which was kind of wild because I was not sure if I'd get anything back. It's a really, it's a really big ask to ask that kind of thing of people. And I think like my reaction in the first few days to getting the stories, honestly, like the first week, especially that they were coming in was just like sheer gratitude that people would share that kind of thing with me because it's really personal. Yeah. And so that, that's pretty much how I kind of went about collecting them and then once the site went up and it started getting some more press and I started posting things on social media like the stories kind of just kept coming in and are continuing to come in and now at this point I've collected over 1100 stories from 60 countries now so so you can tell what countries you're getting them from is that part of the form too that somebody would you know choose to submit I'm, I'm submitting this from wherever or where do you get that that part it's, of it it's iffy so I can't see anybody's personal information I have yeah. no way of contacting people I like if you submit something and you use a fake name like I don't know who you are right if you made up a name you are that person to me I have no idea who anybody is and that's the, the truth mm -hmm. um but I do have a question on the form that says where are you yeah and so some people fill that out just to say like I'm in bed or I'm at home or I'm at work and yeah. some people fill that out with a specific city or a country so that's where I get the information 60 countries I I have Stories from 60 countries that I know of. Yeah. That's that's actually probably the coolest thing for me is how international it's become. And the most surprising part of that is that I didn't realize that until very recently that I had stories from, like, I, I knew just kind of from reading through them that I had stories from, you know, uh, quite a few, but I didn't realize it was so many. Um, mm. And the part about not realizing it that was really cool for me is uh, that, it just made me realize how universal the stories are. Like, they're not different. The stories that I get from China are the same as the stories from Canada, as the same as the stories from Australia and Syria and Cuba and, like, yeah. you know, New Zealand and Jordan and U.S. Like, they're very, very similar. The things that people feel that they're missing in their lives or that they want, it's very, very universal. And what, what's unique about that or what's interesting about that is that, you know, the, the feeling of loneliness is to feel like I'm the only one in this scenario. At least that can be part of the definition. Definitely. Uh, and yet to realize when you see these en masse, just how common the experience is, how, how shared the experience is. What else have you, have you learned and, and um, come to know uh, from reading these stories about people's lives and, and the intimate things that they've shared? Well, I've realized that people, uh, well, I guess one thing I've, I've realized is that there's a real need for, I, I think people have a real need to share these kind of stories, mm -hmm. but are embarrassed to do it publicly is my guess. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's anonymous really helps. Like for example, so where I'm kind of getting that from is just, it's all anecdotal, but I noticed that when I first put up 
my, my call for stories. And even in general, like ever since then, even when I put up things on social media and stuff, the amount of likes I get on a post are very low. And so that yeah. first post that I put up saying, hi, I'm launching this project. I'd love a story from you. I got more submissions to my submission form than I got likes on that post, right. which to me is crazy. Like that is just craziness to me because it's so easy to like something. Like I, I'm like it's months later and my mind is still boggled by this. We like things on Facebook all day. I just think this is so fascinating and interesting. Like it's so interesting, easy to scroll by something on a Facebook feed and just click the like button. Yeah. It is not easy at all to go and fill out this really intimate form that asks really hard questions that where you have to look at parts of yourselves and self and stories and parts of your past that maybe you don't like that much. And maybe that make you feel kind of uncomfortable and kind of sad and tell them to a stranger through this form. And the fact that more people did that than did the easy thing. Right. Not only shows me that I think people, it's not even just that people want to tell their stories. Like I think that a lot of people need to. And I also think people are embarrassed to associate themselves with like even the concept of loneliness. Right. So they won't, so they won't like it, but they might be the same person that will go on and fill out your form. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, the the whole concept of liking and, and favoriting things and retweets, that in itself is such a component of loneliness and uh, mm -hmm. and of feeling like, why aren't people paying attention to me or why aren't people validating me, right? You, you put something out there and you want to be validated for, for what you're sharing with the world. And it's funny how much power we give to something which takes less than a second and, and half a moment's thought for somebody to do on your end. The, the amount of times I'll scroll through and you know like an instagram picture it's it it means so little on the on the giving end but on the receiving end it seems to be amplified into this totally this thing that has such intense power over us um it, it can it can control how we feel about what we've what we've shared and how we feel about ourselves the other thing i think which is really interesting is how loneliness and dating apps intertwine especially mm. how things have changed nowadays uh, I don't know how much you've you've got submissions from that on your side of things, but I'd be curious to hear you, what your thoughts on on how the world we live in now with with apps like Tinder and Bumble, uh, the way people seem to be meeting each other nowadays, how that has uh, affected loneliness. You know, it's actually a really interesting question because I have no thoughts on it because I don't think I've gotten a single story, maybe huh. maybe one or two, but like so few that it doesn't make up enough of a mass for me to have noticed it mm -hmm. as a trend which is really surprising like I I didn't even really think about that as something maybe that is I I should be expecting to get and I'm missing I haven't gotten that many stories about dating yes for sure yeah uh, dating apps not really I get a lot about like Facebook Instagram Snapchat not yeah not so much about Tinder or any of any of that that is actually surprising to me yeah, I, I just uh, and I think of it hand in hand with the phenomenon of ghosting and of just how detached the whole experience seems to have become. But I'll be curious to see if, if more of that comes out later in the, in the project or not. Yeah, uh, definitely. One thing that I, I, I've read through a number of the different stories from the from the site and one person had had mentioned how you have to be really lonely to understand, accept uh, and love yourself. Other people have put loneliness uh, in an equation with a 
part of what it means to also be happy or to, to be happy is to also understand what it means to be lonely at times. Do you think those two terms are, are they at odds with each other? Can you be both happy and lonely? How do they play off each other? Yeah, I mean, I've thought about this a lot. And I really, really like one of my favorite things to get uh, through the form is I really love some of those quotes, because they've made me really think myself about loneliness and what it means. Um, there's one that I really, really love, too, that I got, which is, I think, from a woman named Catriona, who said, uh, for without loneliness, how can we appreciate company? Hmm. And I think that's really true as well. I think, like, even though those sometimes... Like the two things you mentioned, like they can be in conflict and they can be true at the same time. I think what I've kind of, my opinion on loneliness changes all the time, which is one of the things I find so interesting about it. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm not an expert by any means. Like I don't, I'm, I'm not like studying this as a researcher. All, all of my experience with it is very anecdotal and through the eyes of other people. But I think that's. I mean, there's a lot of it. So I think that's also really interesting because I read everything that comes to me. That's very important. But I think one of the things that is so important about loneliness is it's almost like a warning sign for us as people. So it signals to us there's a need that we have that we're not filling. So it's like if you go outside and you're cold, you know that maybe you need something warmer to wear. I think loneliness is a little bit similar, but for social connection. So us Mm. feeling lonely, I think actually can be a really positive thing because it signals to you for some, for some people, loneliness can be kind of a, an indicator that there's something in their life that they're missing. That said, like, I want to acknowledge too, that there are a lot of people who like loneliness is no one's fault. And loneliness is often not in control, like is not something that we're in control of. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's also really important to acknowledge because it isn't like putting on something warmer. Right. Like I'm making a comparison that is not, like I realize as I'm saying it, I'm making a comparison that's not great because it's not like going out and just like putting on warmer coat. Like, but I think one thing about loneliness that like, I guess can be a positive thing in people's lives is loneliness can spark action or self-reflection and things like that. Mm. So yeah, sorry. I was thinking out loud a little and it got a little <laughs> rambly, but it uh, happens to me too. I, uh, you know, when, when you were talking there, it made me think of, uh, because loneliness doesn't necessarily correlate to, you know, being surrounded by people. You can be lonely in a, in a crowd and you can be lonely surrounded by the best of friends, or you could be sure. totally content being by yourself, lost in the woods by yourself. Uh, yeah, it, it, and everybody yeah. has different needs in that regard, too. Yeah. I want to go back to a quote of yours. I think this is from another interview, actually. Uh, and this, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier on, this idea of cultivating compassion through the Loneliness Project and what you want to do more broadly with the Imperfect Archive of Us. But You mentioned the power of storytelling, of showing that other people have gone through similar things. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a bit more about that and what can be gained from uh, reading other people's stories and in telling your own story? Yeah. I mean, look, I'm even a personal, like a really personal note. I think that if I had had some of these stories to read in my first year of university, like I I can't even tell you what a difference that would have made to me, for sure. Mm -hmm. Because I felt 
completely like there was something wrong with me. Like I, I just felt that entire year, like I was doing something wrong and that it was my fault. And that if, you know, if I had been different on the first day of school, or if I had interacted with this person differently, maybe I would have had a whole friend group by now. And, you know, why was I like spending so much time like by myself when everybody was seemed to have all these other people to hang out with. I like, I just, and I was seeing on social media friends of mine from high school who seemed to be like integrating so perfectly into their university lives. And I now realize honestly reading a lot of these stories that like that literally cannot have been the case because I know that that's a really, I now know that that's a really common thing that people experience. And I've, I've talked to people about it since and now know that not everybody was having as perfect a time as it looked like they were having. But at the time, I just felt like I couldn't talk to anybody about it because I felt like there was something wrong with me. And I felt like I was just, I had to be the only one. And I think I, if I had had these stories, it not only would have made me feel more compassionate towards myself, but it might have given me the courage to start talking to other friends about it a lot sooner. And so I think that like really underscores just very personally the power of stories, because I think what stories do is they not only give us a window into other people's experiences, which I think is very key in terms of cultivating compassion for other mm-hmm. people, but it also they also show us that we aren't as alone as we think we are. And I think that is a really key piece in cultivating compassion for ourselves, which a lot of the time can be a lot harder to do. I'm going to be bouncing around a little bit here, but yeah. uh, I, I think back to the social media part again. Do you think we're going to be clawing back at all in, in reclaiming some of that personal space from how, how overly social we've been since you know 2006 and maybe before that, but I'm thinking of when Facebook came out. Do you see a trend where people are stepping away from that or are we totally lost and this is the world that we're going to live in for from now until we die? Oh, God. I don't know. Uh, I'm not an expert. I'm asking you to read the crystal ball here. Yeah, yeah, I really can't answer it. But like, I'll tell you personally that I hope so. Because I hate how addicted I am to my Mm. social media. Yeah. Like it's, it's the worst. I have three Instagram accounts. Why do I have three Instagram accounts? I have my loneliness project one, I have my personal one. And then I have my graphic design one, which I kind of call my professional one, like, Mm. or, you know, because my personal one, I keep it like very private. But it's just like, like, sometimes I look at my phone and I'm like, where did all these accounts come from? Like, right. why am I managing all of this stuff? <laughs> like, it takes so much time. And, like, sometimes I just think to myself, like, what could I do with all the time I spend on Facebook? Like, probably a lot of things. So, I don't know. I, I personally, but it's hard to not, you know, like, it's very much easier said than done to mm-hmm. step away from your social media when everybody else is on their social media, you know? It's like it's hard. Yeah, it's like really an addiction. It's not good. <laughs> I, yeah, I've told myself multiple times that, uh, you know, I can probably, you know, I'll I'll give up Facebook once I no longer need this as part of my job, or you know, I'm 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 only on Facebook because I want to keep in touch with, you know, these people. But uh, here I am still on Facebook today. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I haven't. And it haven't... really is like I like you. I don't think I could get rid of it now. I think I like. I think my job would suffer because there's mm. things I do on Facebook for work. I think like a lot of my relationships would suffer because there's a lot of like very close relationships that I maintain through Facebook. So it's like you're really uh, like you kind of have to be attached. Yeah, I think you're right. At least uh, I, I I certainly uh, feel that way. Just about all of us do. 
loneliness, this is just the start. You have other ideas in mind, uh, ex- mm-hmm. projects exploring guilt and failure and insecurity. What do you hope to learn from those projects? I mean, I think like loneliness is just, for me, it's just the start. I know we're kind of having this like international conversation about loneliness right now, and I think that's fantastic. But the way I kind of see loneliness in the context of my project is it's just kind of part of being human. Like I see loneliness as an emotion like sadness, like happiness. It's not anything abnormal. It's just, yeah, it's just part of what it means to be human and that's fine. That's okay. That's what my project is about is, is basically showing that everybody experiences this thing and that nobody is, you know, like weird or broken. And I think that can apply to other things like failure, like guilt, you know, imposter syndrome, shame. Like, I think they're all emotions that we all feel and that we just don't really spend a lot of time talking about. Right. And so, yeah, it's it's kind of what this is all about for me. I don't think we need more happiness projects because Facebook is the happiness project. (laughs) And some people might say that that's kind of negative and it's, you know, like that it's negative and it's depressing and why do we need to think about these things that aren't very positive but I think that that is how we make the world a better place and it's how we learn to like ourselves and other people a lot better all the things that we experience but don't talk about when I'm thinking of the words there loneliness guilt failure insecurity things that we we all have intimate experience with but are things that we are probably the most reluctant to to be Mm -hmm. forthcoming about right and sharing for sure and I think it helps I think it's really helpful for people I mean I hope it's really helpful for people so if anybody's listening to this and you want to tell me if it's been helpful for you like (laughs) I welcome feedback um but yeah like I I hope it's helpful for people to have an anonymous platform for that kind of stuff like sometimes people write little messages to me at the end of their submission saying things like you know this was the first time I was ever able to tell anybody this and it feels really good or like you know, I'm, I'm like happy to have a place to kind of put this because I don't really right now. And yeah, I don't know. I want to make that space for people and for their stories. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be partially putting you on the spot here, but I, I think of ideas of something like this for the Loneliness Project. And I, I picture what it could look like in a gallery or what it could look like in, in the contents of a book. Have you thought about how it could leave the, the bounds of, uh, you know, an online domain and become something else? Yeah, I have. I mean, there's other projects that I admire very deeply, like Post Secret, that have I don't if you're I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's yes, a, yeah. yeah. So Post Secret has done that really successfully, and I think it's like I've been a long, long time fan of Post Secret. I think it's a fantastic project, and yeah, I mean, I think it would be great to transition this into a book and into a gallery, or who knows? I mean. Right now, like the the limitation for me, quite honestly, right now is that it's just me mm-hmm. <laughs> and that I have a job. <laughs> uh, so I work on it, you know, like I, I work on it a lot. But at the end of the day, when it's one person, you know, I don't always know where it's going. It, it kind of goes where where it, it takes me. So, so yeah, I don't know. I'm plugging away at it. And I'm very I'm I'm as curious as you are to see where it will go. Any final thoughts from you on the project, things that you've learned from it, uh, the things that have surprised you about getting involved in this? I think like really what has surprised me the most is how just completely forthcoming and honest people have been in telling their stories. And I really, really appreciate that. Uh, And I, I really don't 
take it for granted that people are willing to be that vulnerable with a stranger. And I think that that's a really brave thing to do. And I'm shocked that I have only ever gotten one troll. And I think mm. that it's like, honestly, like realizing that has made me uh, like reaffirm something about humanity in me. <laughs> There's only <laughs> ever been one troll and everybody else of the like over 1100 people now have just been nothing but like genuine and honest and kind. That is um, probably an unheard of ratio on the internet. <laughs> I know, right? I thought I was going to be getting way more awful comments from people. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Well, thanks very much for the conversation. It's been great to talk to you and, and hear more about this. Likewise. Thank you so much for getting in touch. This is really great. That's it for the show. Thanks for listening, and I hope you liked it. If you want to know more, you can head to thelonelinessproject.org. And if you enjoyed the show, you can do me a favor and hit subscribe. Leave a rating and a review also. If you want to keep in touch with the show, you can follow along on Facebook at Story Untold Podcast or send an email to storyuntoldpodcast at gmail.com. Theme music for Story Untold is by Dr. Turtle off the album You Um, I'll Ah. Once again, I'm Martin Bauman, and this was a story untold. See you next time. Mm-hmm.